0: Book of Daniel. I felt as though God really wanted me to study there. It was kind of back to school for me, for our, for our kids. And I was—I just saw a parallel there. And and just again to review, uh, and this is my my teacher coming out here. You know, we we don't pick things up when we get it once. <laughs> That's just the way we are. Uh, we need to come back to it again and again for it to get in our hearts, to get in our spirits. That's the way God's word is. So. Uh, Just to review, because I I feel like the Lord would have me doing a series here on Daniel. We started with Daniel chapter 1. And the Bible said, when the king brought him in, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Uh, And we talked uh, in our first discussion about how important it is for us to make a decision in our heart. How God honors our will to serve him. And when we make a decision in our heart, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to make a complete commitment. Then the provision comes. So decision, then provision. And God uh, promoted Daniel. And and he saw that that he was able to meet the king's demands. and, And God gave him wisdom and ability. And he saw, the Bible said, all the way through to the year King Cyrus, which represents deliverance. So God brought his delivering hand into his life when he committed to serving him in very difficult circumstances. And then we discussed the, um, in Daniel chapter 2, God's answer. Uh, the king said, I'm going to kill all the, all the wise men, all of the magicians, and all the people in the court because I've had a horrible dream. And Daniel, the Bible said, when they came to him, he responded with wisdom and counsel. And that's a clear picture of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how the most important thing in our lives is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Benny Hen wrote a book. Uh, I've got to read it again, I think. He responded with counsel, with wisdom. God had an answer for what was going on. And when we seek him, Daniel sought the Lord. Not only did he respond out of his spirit... But he sought God and sought God's answer, and when we seek God, God brings deliverance into our situation. Amen? Well, tonight I want to talk briefly about Daniel chapter 3, we're in now, and into the fire, right into the fire, because the Bible said that, uh, in fact, why don't you go there with me, Daniel chapter 3. Father, I just pray, just for a few moments, Lord, as, as I preach your word, Lord, I pray that Holy Spirit, that you would help me uh, with the oracles of God, Lord, with the, the ability that you provide, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would hear the words of God speak into our spirits, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits, and it's width six. Now, if you study numbers in the Bible, you know that that's not God's number now, is it? And he set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And I just want to stop right there. Uh, The king set up an image. It was made of gold. Gold has great value. And he held this image up and he says, when you hear the sound of the music, you're going to bow down to this golden image. And I see a parallel here because gold has value and the world wants us to bow down to what it values. When you hear the sound of the music, we want you to bow down. And he said, anybody that doesn't bow down, when they hear the sound of the music, the king said, you're going to be thrown into the fire. Now, a value, and obviously gold has value, but I, I'm not using it literally, values are a person's principles or standards of behavior. The Oxford Dictionary says, a value is a person's principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important in life. Okay, It's very interesting that the king called seven different um, societal figureheads for leadership the satraps, the administrators. Seven is the number of, per, of perfection, of completeness. So, what's he saying? He said, "I want my values to infiltrate every area of culture." It's interesting that Lance Wallnau, I don't know if you like if you know Lance Wallnau, but God showed him that there are seven. This, there are seven mountains in any culture, in any society. He says, "There's government. There's media." There's education, there's business or economy, religion, family, and entertainment. He says those are the seven big pieces of any culture, right? Well, guess what? The Bible says that the the enemy, 2 Corinthians 4.14, the devil is the god of this world. And his, his intention is to infiltrate with his values the different areas of culture. But God has a different plan, amen? God says, listen, I don't want you to bow to what the enemy believes. I don't want you to bow to values that are contrary to the word of God, that are contrary to my worldview. So there's this clash of values here. And the Bible says in Daniel 3, 8, Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward, and they accused the Jews. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to live peaceably. The Bible says to pursue peace with all men. Romans, excuse me, that's Hebrews 12. So God does, God's not interested in us. In fact, Thessalonians tells us to live a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness. So God's not looking for us to go around and cause trouble. I just want to balance this and make that clear. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. However, God has called us to represent him here on the earth. To speak the word of God. To preach the good news. To speak the word of truth in love. And God does want us to be at peace, but not at the expense of compromising what we know to be the truth. Amen? So when this happens and we're peacefully coexisting with people that don't know God, don't believe in God, the the enemy will sometimes flush us out a little bit. And there's this clash of values. Sometimes there's resentment or jealousy. I'd imagine that these guys that accused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're probably thinking, you know what? Didn't we just wipe out these Jews a couple of years ago? We went in and we robbed and pillaged and defeated, and we dragged off Daniel and these other guys. Yeah, I know he had a little success and victory with the king a couple years ago, but who do these people think they are? So maybe there is jealousy or resentment in the background. Who does he think he is sitting in the king's court? And they took opportunity to accuse. Say accusation. You know, that's the devil's number one job in our lives. He is the accuser. You and I have an opponent as we seek to serve and honor God in our lives. You have an enemy. Well, congratulations. You have an opponent. Someone that is set out against you to see to it. That you don't serve God. That you don't obey God. That you don't keep your faith in God. In fact, if you want to go with me to Job chapter 1. I think we have that one on the screen. Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I want to show you Satan here. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come from? Now, can I tell you God knew where he was coming from? God knew. Where are you coming from? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Now watch this. Job 1.9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? You made a hedge around him. On every side, you've blessed the work of his hands. There it is. Accusation. The devil said, And by the way, Satan literally means accuser. Hasatan, the Hebrew word, means the accuser, the enemy. So the, the devil, is the, he is the enemy in our lives. And I know you know that because you're in church tonight. But I just want to remind you of his number one job. It's to accuse you. He accused Job's motives. He says, He's not serving God. Lord, He's not serving you because He loves you. He's serving you for the money. He's got cattle and lands. Take that away, Lord. He'd be done with you. God said, No. No, we have a relationship, Job and I. His heart is pure before me. You can take it all, and He'll still serve me. They came and they accused Jesus, didn't they? The Bible says Jesus was doing good and healing all who were oppressed. But the Pharisees came and they said, you're a blasphemer. By what authority are you doing these things? You don't honor Caesar. You don't honor the Sabbath. Your disciples don't wash their hands the way they're supposed to. You healed on the Sabbath. I mean, they accused him again and again and again. And Jesus said, you know what? You're motivated by your father, the devil. And that, (laughs) how many know that people get offended when you say "Your, your dad's the devil? And they got offended at him and that made them even more angry. But he said, I know you, that you don't have the love of God in you. That this religious expression that you're coming at me with is religion. It's not the spirit of God. It's not the love of God. Because if you truly loved God, You'd love me too, because I came forth from him. King Ahab accused Elijah. He said, oh, you troubler of Israel. It's your fault that there's no rain here. Jezebel, she threatened him. And I just want to go to one other example. If you want to go with me to Zechariah, chapter 3. This is a beautiful picture of of the accuser and what he seeks to do in our lives. And then he showed me, and this is so great, it was the Lord himself that showed Zechariah this vision, not the angel of God this time. And then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan, there he is again, standing at his right hand to do what? To oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not, talking about Joshua, the high priest. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? So I just want to show you here, God was doing something new. God was doing something restorative. God was establishing his kingdom on the earth. He was bringing the exiles back to Jerusalem. And they were rebuilding the walls. And they were rebuilding the temple. And they were doing a wonderful work for God. This was a man of God. And guess what? There was Satan to accuse him. So don't be surprised when you seek out to serve God. When you seek to obey God and walk with God and do his will. That the enemy comes and accuses you. Same in in, in, um, Daniel's day. God was moving among these Hebrew boys. They were promoted. They were moving up in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar. God had a place of influence. The kingdom of God was moving in influence in the kingdom of the world. And now all of a sudden, what do we have? We've got the accusation coming. These Hebrew boys are not bowing down to the image They don't have your values, king. And you said that anybody that doesn't bow has to be canceled. I'm sorry, I mean thrown into the fire. And they really put the king on the spot. Can I tell you that King Nebuchadnezzar knew that those guys didn't serve his God? Can I tell you that everybody knew that these Hebrews that came from Jerusalem... That they were serving God and that the blessing of God was upon them. But this was their chance to flush them out. But getting back to Zechariah, notice that Zechariah was chosen by God. We need to know when the enemy comes at us, we need to say, devil, I'm chosen by God. God chose me before the foundation of the world. And notice what did he accuse the high priest Joshua of? He was wearing filthy garments. This is a picture of sin. And what did God say? I have cleansed him. So we need to know that our sins are cleansed. And we need to make sure that when we stand before God and the enemy is standing there to accuse us, we need to make sure that there's no sin in our life, that we let the blood of Jesus redeem us, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, because in his blood, through his blood we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have to make sure that we're standing in the light as he is in the light. And if there is any known sin, we've got to confess it, the Bible says, so that that forgiveness can come and that the blood of Jesus can wash it away again. And then we can stand before God and say, no, you don't, devil. I have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. God cleansed me. God chose me. Say amen if you believe that. So we see the the enemy's job here to accuse. Moving back to Daniel, you know the story. They don't serve your gods. They've got to go into the fire. So Nebuchadnezzar brought them in and they said, is this true? This was a big act, by the way. He already knew that they weren't serving or or bowing, but they called him out. You know, I was sitting... um, I was sitting in my, in my study at my house, and I couldn't help, but th- the window was open, and I just kept hearing this sound. And I... and I knew there were squirrels running around in the backyard because my dog was going wild. She thinks she's a squirrel hunter. She goes wild. We have to put a shot collar on her because she would bark at them all day long. But they're gathering their winter provisions right now feverishly they're running everywhere grabbing as much as they can and I could hear them it just wouldn't stop. I could hear them chewing on those nuts or whatever they would get their hands on and as I was just I was studying and praying for 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 uh, preaching and I, I said Lord are you trying to show me something here and, and here's what I felt I you know the squirrels are getting ready for a time of barrenness for a time of lack for a time of hardship. And they want to make sure that they've stored up enough so that they're ready. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here met their day of trial. And they had to be ready to answer the king. So we have to be ready. God says, I want you to store up my word. I want you to store up my spirit. I want there to be a great storehouse inside of you that's full of me so that when your day of trial comes, when your number is called, that you're ready. That you're ready. So King Nebuchadnezzar said, that's it, boys. You're going into the fire. I'm going to give you one last chance. You can bow down when you hear the music. And this, isn't this such a, uh, what a picture of, of, of culture. When you hear the music, you bow. And if you don't, pay the consequences. Who's the God, he said, verse 15, if you're following with me, that is going to deliver you from my hands? And I love their answer here. If you're with me in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, If that's the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hands, O king. These guys had faith. And listen, here's the key. When the devil's putting heat on you, you need to put your faith in God. When the devil's putting pressure on you, when he turns up the heat on you, you've got to get your faith working. You've got to say, I, I can see what you're trying to do here, devil, but you've got to say it out loud sometimes. You've got to say, I see what you're doing, but my God is greater and he can deliver me and he will deliver me from what you're trying to do in my life. These guys had faith. And they said, I love this, verse 18. But, by the way, just so you know, let it be known to you, O king, that if we don't, that we don't serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. So they were saying, we know our God, and we know he's a God that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. We know he's a deliverer. We know he has power on the earth. But you know what? If, even if he doesn't deliver us, I'm still not bowing. You could play the music over and over again. I'm not going to bow because I don't value that golden image. I value God's word. I value the truth of God. And I'm not going to bow to your truth. Amen. So when persecution comes, and, and notice they said, too, King, we don't need to answer you in this matter. One, the NIV says, we don't need to defend ourselves, just so you know. <laughs> God's with us, and he's going to deliver us. But when persecution comes, we need to keep a couple of things in mind. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 27. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. Whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And don't fear those who kill the body, but can't kill the soul. But rather fear him, watch this, fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs on your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. So Jesus said, listen, when, when you're persecuted, he says, listen, there is someone to fear, and there's somebody not to fear. The person you should fear is God. Don't fear people. He also shows us that God sees and knows us so intimately, so completely, He sees everything that's going on in our lives. Our hairs are numbered. I wonder if the ones in my ears are numbered too. I don't like those. (laughs) Our hairs are numbered. What a statement. God sees it all. He sees what the enemy's trying to do. And when we're tested, when we refuse to bow down to the golden image, we'll come out as pure as gold. The Bible says in Romans, let me give you one more scripture, in Romans 8.33. Do we have that? Romans 8.33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Who's going to condemn you? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, a fiery furnace? Being canceled by the current culture? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, watch this, God says, in all these things, you're more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we see here that God is just. He is judge. And that he has justified us by the blood of Christ. We can't be condemned. We see also that Jesus is standing at God's right hand, interceding for us right in the middle of our trial. Right in the middle of what we're going through. Jesus is right at the right hand of the Father, representing us, praying for us. He loves us. And these things that we're going through are never going to separate us from his love. Sometimes when trouble comes, we, we tend to look inward and say, I, I'm troubled. God says, no, you're not. There's trouble around, but you're not. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I'll be with you in trouble. And I will honor you. And with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. God says you're more than a conqueror. You're a winner, not a loser. You might be going through something that makes you feel that way, but God says you're my child. You're my victor. You're my winner. You're the one I've called, and I'm with you when you're going through it. I don't care what the enemy's trying to do in your life. I'm greater. God is a deliverer. Our God is able to save and deliver. So, you know the story. I'll just finish with with the end of the story here. He says, That's it. You're not bowing. I'm going to get some mighty men. And I, you know, the enemy seeks to intimidate us. I heard R.W. Schambach say this one time. He said, If you can be intimidated, you will be intimidated. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, the Bible says. He's given us a spirit of power and a spirit of love and sound judgment. And we have to break intimidation off of our lives. Now, God hasn't called us to be violent, aggressive, mean people. But I'm talking about the disposition of our hearts, the disposition of our spirits. When the enemy peeks his head into our life and he comes to accuse us when trouble comes, when persecution comes, we have to not be intimidated. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. So he gets these big, strong men. Um, verse 20, he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, the devil has agents on the earth. The Bible says there's principalities, powers, dominions. The enemy's kingdom is actually organized. And he has rank and order in his kingdom. Chances are, if you're dealing with a demonic pr- problem, if you're dealing with oppression, if you're dealing with something the enemy's doing in your life, it's one of his henchmen. It's not he himself. So he has, the enemy has mighty principalities and powers and demons that he sends forth. And notice what they come to do. He said, the Bible says that he came and he bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, the enemy comes to bind us. To restrict us, to oppress us, to to cause us to feel um, and be in a state where there's a lack of freedom. Amen. Freedom in our emotions, freedom in our minds and our bodies, freedom in our spirits. God has come to set us free. But the enemy comes to bind you, he wants you all knotted up. So they threw them into the fire i know we have this one in daniel 3 25 after they threw these guys into the fire the bible says that nebuchadnezzar said look i see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt and the form of the fourth one is like the son of god i'm telling you that when you're in the middle of it god's in the middle of it with you when you walk through the fire you're not going to be burned When you walk through the waters, the Bible says in Isaiah 43, they're not going to overtake you. Jesus is with you in your hour of trial. Not only is he with you, but he's going to deliver you. They were loose. (laughs) Those big mighty men of valor that wrapped those guys up tight, the Bible said they were walking around free. Hallelujah. And when we walk with God and we look to him as our deliverer, we walk in freedom. God says, I want you free. Free. Because there's a fourth man. Jesus is the fourth man in our lives. See, I thought it was just me and my wife, and our problems. No, no, no. There's a fourth party involved, always. Jesus is there. Say, well, I thought it was just me and my coworker and our problem here. No, Jesus is there. He's the fourth man. Well, you know, I thought it was just me and this disease and, and you know, the doctor. No, Jesus is there. He's the fourth man. And he shows up right on time. Right on time. Lisa said the other day, you know, I don't like it. You know, God, sometimes, I just wish you would be early sometimes. He's usually not early. He's never late, but he's always on time. Amen. I'd imagine those guys would have liked him to show up when those... Big demons, I'm sorry, I mean mighty men of valor, bound those guys up. I'm sure they were thinking, come on, God, where are you? Here they come. You know, can't you show up now and just give one an elbow to the head and, you know, stretch it loose? No, God waited until they were right in the middle of the fire. But he showed up right on time. He's an on-time God. And Nebuchadnezzar marveled. He said to the satraps, the administrators, and the governors, listen, your life is a testimony to the not only to your family, not only to your church, but your life and your deliverance is a testimony to your job, to your government, to whatever areas of life that you have authority. The King Nebuchadnezzar said, listen, I want you all to hear this. These guys right here, The fire had no power over them. You see, the devil thinks that he has ultimate power. His domain is the earth. We read it earlier. God told him in the book of Job, where have you been? Well, I've been walking around the earth. This is his domain. This is his playground. He does have power around here. But Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And I give you the power and I give you the authority. I saw him fall. Jesus has more power than the devil. Say amen. And the king marvels. he says, my gosh, the, the fire doesn't have power over these guys. The devil's scratching his head. I thought I bound them up. I thought they were done for. No, you're not done for. Because the fourth man's showing up right on time. Jesus will be there. And Nebuchadnezzar said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel one like the Son of God. We know who that angel is, don't we? We know that it's no, no. he's no ordinary angel. That he's not a created angel, but he's the Son of the living God. That he created the angels. And he delivered his servants, watch this now, who trusted in him. In our time of trial, God wants us to put our trust In him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Listen, king. Our God is able to save us. And he will save us. We're putting our trust in him. You see, when we do that, when we say, God, I'm trusting you, it doesn't make the trial go away immediately. They still had to go into the fire. They still had to go through it. But their faith was in God. They released it. And that trust... And that faith that they released to God came right back in the form of the son of the living God. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we put our trust in Jesus, we open the door for him to get into that prison house. We open the door for him to get into that hospital room. We open the door for him to get into that hopeless situation. And then he shows up in that fire when we put our trust in him. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to close with this. Isaiah 43. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. God has a word for you today. Are you ready? Fear not. I need to hear that word several times throughout the week. God says, don't fear. Don't fear what the enemy is trying to do. Don't fear what's going on around you that's an ungodly. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I've called you. Say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Stand with me. That was weak. Stand up. Come on, we're done. Stand with me. Say, I am redeemed. I am, redeemed. I am, called. I am called. I belong to God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm called, that I'm redeemed, that I belong to you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. Say this with me. Say, God is with me. Right in the middle of it. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David said this, and I'll quote it. Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. Where? Right in the fire. Right in the midst of it. Right in the presence of my enemies. They shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor the flame scorch you. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise from God. Thank you, Lord, that you'll never leave me or forsake me. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, Visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.